red button. Conversation set free. Red button. Have some conversation, please. Thank you. Now, are you sitting comfortably? Good. Then we'll begin. Hello, and welcome to the show. This is Box Thirty Nine Red Button, our later evening conversation and music show. Coming to you live from the gorgeous and highly polished Studio One at the mighty Colne Radio Towers here on 106.6 FM Colne Radio. I am fully complying with the current uh, public health regulations and my guest is coming live through the wonderful Zoom. So, on our show today, absolutely delighted to welcome... Another prominent member of our community here in North East Essex, it's Sarah McKee Harris. She is the founder and managing director of the Kingswood Group, which focuses on delivering high quality, bespoke uh, and honest HR solutions to organisations across London, the home counties and around here in North East Essex. She also is a manager for a networking club, which helps HR managers connect and explore things together. And she's mum to Harry, and she's got a couple of dogs. So, welcome, Sarah. Hi there, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm so glad that you could come along. Now, one of the things, of course, we ask you to do is to bring with you your choices of music for the show, or the music on our show is uh, chosen by yourself and we've just heard the first piece of music that you've chosen which was by phil collins and it's called another day in paradise so sarah why did you choose that well um i'm an 80s child and um i grew up with my mum being a big phil collins fan so um i literally have all of his uh, songs ingrained in my mind um 
so I love this song. It does remind me um, of just not not taking things too seriously um, and not taking things for granted in life, really. Um, I think especially at the moment, it's don't sweat the small things. Well, a great choice of music. Thank you. So I've just explained a little bit about my old background, and I use the phrase HR. And for a lot of people, and myself included, that might be a little bit of a mystery. We've all maybe been at work where there's an HR department, not really knowing that much about what they do. Uh, but what is HR? And I suppose, why do we need it? Okay, so HR stands for Human Resources, and um, uh, it used to be called Personnel, um, just in case that sort of connects any dots for people. Um, but more recently, um, Human Resource Departments, HR functions, um, are well known by that really just because they're a much more strategic and proactive function in businesses um, and uh, getting your HR strategy right is really important to getting your business strategy right. Um, basically it relates to anything employee related so um, the whole employee life cycle from attracting top talent into your companies through to developing those people uh, through to um, people management, so um, it could be anything like your employee perhaps not behaving or being unwell and HR will come and, and support the managers in uh, managing that process and getting them back to work or, or not, as the case may be. Um, it also includes things like compensation and um, benefits, so um, making sure we pay our people, um, it could be uh, managing benefits such as life insurance, um, holiday pay, all those sorts of things um, through to when that person exits the business. Well, it's a very complicated and detailed process, and I think we can all identify with, with that. So thank you. And we'll be going, talking about HR in much more detail. But first, Sarah, I'd like to talk a little bit about yourself so our listeners um, can get a good picture of, of you in their minds. So Sarah McKee-Harris, what's your background? How on earth did you end up being an HR and business leader uh, here in Northeast Essex? Oh, right. Well, um, so, yeah, so I, uh, I've always been from Essex. Um, I actually grew up in, um, in the Chelmsford area. Uh, my family are from Rumford and Collier Row. Um, my parents met working at Ford in Dagenham, so true Essex blood runs through these veins. Um, but I moved out to Colchester um, about 13, 14 years ago um, with my husband. Um, we both worked in London at the time and so Colchester was kind of a growing commuter town and much more affordable than Chelmsford. Uh, so we kind of uh, set up roots here. Um, I kind of, my introduction to HR was through falling into recruitment um, like a lot of people do. Um, and uh, so I was lucky enough when I left university, I went and, and went to the big smoke of the city look for a job and I was approached by a recruitment agency um, to work for them. Um, they put me in, into HR, so I was recruiting HR professionals for um, companies um, across the public sector at the time. And, um, and so I, I started to learn all about human resources and, and what they did in businesses and became really passionate about it. Um, and after 15 years of doing that, I um, decided to, to set up a company myself which specialised in in delivering just that for for companies um so yeah so that's kind of how i got into it i'm still here in colchester we've we've got a great community here i do a lot of um local business networking and um at the end of last year we started um outsourcing hr to smaller businesses so that we could um support the businesses who perhaps weren't big enough to have in-house hr functions themselves um so that's really been fantastic and this year especially during uh, the pandemic we've been able to help a lot of businesses um, with managing their employees. That's wonderful. Okay, well, so before we dive, take our deep dive into the world of HR, we're going to listen to another piece of music that you've chosen, and it's everyone's favourite bunch of Norwegians. It's from Aha! and Take On Me, uh, a familiar tune, I think, for many people. Why have you chosen this one? Uh, so another 80s classic, um, but I'm, I've always, I love all sorts of music, but I especially love upbeat and energetic music. Um, I just remember dancing around to this one in my bedroom, trying to hit the uh, top notes um, by singing along.
You're listening to Red Button. So that was Take On Me by the mighty Norwegian boys. Aha. Uh-huh. And I'm Bill Lawrence. You're listening to Box 39 on Red Button here on Colm Radio 106.6 FM. And I'm delighted that my guest here today is Sarah McKee Harris. As we said, she is a managing director of the Kingswood Group. She is highly involved with HR solutions for companies sorting out all their HR matters. And so we're going to turn our conversation now, Sarah, to HR itself and uh, a little bit about why HR is so important and how does HR itself impact upon the performance of a business? Sure. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, HR, as I said um, just earlier, is everything relating to the people in your business. And um, you think of most businesses, there aren't many um, that operate without people. Um, customer services, it's all around you know, managing people and relationships. Um, you know, if you go into your local um, shop, you're greeted by people who are helping you on the floor, finding the right clothes, um, taking payment. So people are a really important part of any business. And so if your people aren't happy or being looked after, um, that's going to have a direct impact on your business, um, whether it is uh, how much money it's making, the service it's delivering. Um, and as we know nowadays, with access to social media, um, bad news travels fast. So you, um, you know, so generally, uh, if you look after your people, your employees um, in the business and, and you manage them properly, then generally that's going to have a really positive impact on the delivery and success of your business. So your tagline on your company or your slogan or whatever you like to call it, your, your banner for your company that says, we recruit we outsource and we consult. So what does that mean? Particularly uh, you outsource and you consult. So what does, what does that mean? What are you responsible for? So um, all three of those areas do relate to human resources. So um, we recruit. I mean, my background, as I said, she was 15 years in HR recruitment before establishing Kingswood Group. And we're still, you know, still really strong in that area. Um, that tends to be with bigger companies who have in-house HR functions who just, just need to hire into those. Um, the outsourcing piece um, is more uh, directed at working with smaller businesses who don't have in-house HR functions. But as soon as you employ someone, you generally need um, some HR support, um, whether it's as basic as having a contract of employment and some HR policies and a handbook for that person, through to... Uh, having to have difficult conversations and perhaps needing some guidance on that. Furlough, none of us had heard of furlough really until the beginning of this year. Um, so people, if you're if you're making changes to people's contracts, you need to then do all the documentation around that. So um, for small businesses um, who are owner-managed, um, that's a lot of, of to take on um, and a big responsibility and can be quite stressful for people. So um, the outsourcing business um, is where we actually provide an HR service to them. So we are actually that small business's HR manager or HR department. Um, and we work with them on, on a long-term contract, normally about three years, and um, we are there. So they can pick up the phone um, on those day-to-day HR issues and we can and we can support that. So um, I tend to say we are taking the headache about HR for, um, for those sort of companies. The consulting aspect is tends to be more um, complex HR issues or projects that are taking place um, and we have senior HR consultants who will come in and specifically work with the company on on a, a, an actual matter so it could be you know unfortunately we're seeing a bit more of this at the minute a redundancy situation that hasn't quite gone to plan and there's a settlement agreement that needs to be arranged that could Im- that involves employment lawyers so again that's a bit more complicated it could be a company restructuring it could be a company acquiring another business and that obviously involves managing those employees to come over so that's why we have the three key areas because it just generally tends to help all all different companies no matter what their um what their requirements are well one of the things um we like where we work is for it to be very positive and a happy place and you can help with that as well can't you yeah definitely i mean um yeah of course you you know a happy worker 
um, means that they're in the office more, they're not off sick, or they're not running late. Um, you know, we, they also, you know, there's lots of stats around there to show that, you know, more um, positive, happy employee, employees are more motivated, which means they're more productive. They might give a better customer service. So it's really important to, um, to drive a positive work environment. There's different ways to do that. I personally think that the two key things, or three actually, so the people management, so managers managing properly is really important. You know, understanding what their responsibilities are. And um, the second, which leads quite well into that, is communications. Um, HR and internal communications go hand in hand, to be honest. Um, if you're not communicating to your employees, they don't know what to do, they don't know what their responsibilities are, um, they might feel a bit lost, disengaged, um, and uh, you will hear engagement quite a lot out there in the HR world at the moment. Um, and then the third piece is well-being. And this is, you know, this is the forefront of everybody's mind at the moment. Um, and generally, because it is employee-related, will sit within the HR responsibility. Um, well-being isn't just about mental health. It's also about physical well-being, the environment you're working in. Is it safe? Um, and also uh, a, a later one, which is a bit more common at the moment, is financial well-being. Um, a lot of, um, there's a lot of research gone into this, which actually shows that if people aren't feeling happy or um, stable in their finances, that can also have a big impact on their well-being. Right. Well, at the moment, I think we're all very aware, following events that occurred this summer, or the summer of 2020, of uh, in America, and you know the need to promote diversity in the workplace and to promote inclusion as well and to make our workplaces inclusive now this is a, a complex issue isn't it yeah it is and um, look it's not a new thing and um, diversity you know looking at diversity of the workforce has been around for a long time and you know there's some organizations that are way ahead of the game and they've been doing a lot of work around this for years and they tend to be bigger companies um, that have got the resources. Uh, they might be more of an international workforce, um, you know, and, and you know, diversity and inclusion has been around for a long time for those guys. But, you know, we, yeah, we, I think the, the events that happened over the summer has just brought it to the forefront of conversation again. Um, and again, there's, there is um, a big push on um, companies to be doing something, they'd be seen to be doing something to be promoting a diverse and inclusive workforce. We would like you now to let us know about your third piece of music. This is probably to help with my well-being. this one. Um, look, it's a really uplifting song. Um, whenever I hear it, I feel really powerful and positive. Um, so I was in my early teens when this was released and it really helped me through some, some tough school days. And um, although those school days don't seem so tough looking back now, um, when you're a teenager, everything's a drama, isn't it?
last stop on the round was top of the hill to listen to Box 39. It were like taking radio to the top of the world. And after the music and magazine show with its eclectic mix of chat, interviews, features and the funny side of life in our community, we'd put the kettle on and have doorsteps of Red Button, the perfect later evening conversation show that follows Box 39. Get it inside you lads, we'd say. Does you good that Red Button. I've never heard radio like it. Box 39 and then Red Button. Thursday evenings from 8 to 10 on Com Radio. It's as good today as it's always been. you're listening to Red Button here on Box 39 on 106.6 FM Colm Radio. It's our later evening conversation and it's our later evening conversation with Sarah McKee Harris. And this was, uh, you just heard another of Sarah's music choices. And that was uh, Tamsin Archer singing Sleeping Satellite. So Sarah, why did you choose Tamsin Archer? So this was one of the first singles I bought. Um, I've got vivid memories of listening to this um, on loop, <laughs> sitting in my parents' office um, during the school holidays. So I just, it's just one of those ones that I've always loved. And even when I listen to it now, it's, um, it's a firm favourite. Okay. So what we're going to talk about now is the impact of the current pandemic on small businesses. What is a small business? So yeah, there's, there's different definitions, um, but the one I thought I'd go for is very much using accounting purposes. So it's, it's anything um, with less than 50 employees um, and generally less than 6.5 million turnover. Um, the next kind of step up is, 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 an, is a company which is kind of described as a medium, and that's um, up to 250 employees. 
um, and up to 25.9 million turnover. And um, we work with with all types, all sizes of businesses, but from a small business perspective, generally up to 50 employees. Okay, so for those small businesses, life is pretty tough because you are small, um, and then you get this massive, great sledgehammer blow of COVID which has an impact, and I guess it's the obvious immediate impact. We all recognize uh, that you, you can't do what you're doing in the way that you've done it. You've got to have complete and utter change. But um, what are the, that's the obvious immediate impact, but they must be medium-term, long-term impacts. Um, so what, what are they? So, um, so in terms of the immediate impact um it depends on the industry to, to be honest i mean for a smaller business um obviously you, you do feel it quite quickly um i think a lot of small businesses are generally very dependent on cash flow um and you have to think about the, the where they are perhaps in that supply chain um so it, although um covid may not directly impact them straight away it might um, impact the stakeholders around them so their suppliers and, and so forth. So it's it's a lot of companies, even though they might not have felt the impact of COVID directly straight away, um, you know, over time it, it's impacted them in, in some way or another, whether that's um, you know, not being able to to get the supplies that they normally do or, you know, through to not being able to deliver their services or goods in the normal way that they would do it. I mean, hospitality, prime example, the ones that have really been hit the most, um, where you know Customers will physically go into their premises and, and they eat or drink, whatever. Um, you know, what, I've, what I have seen, especially around Colchester area, um, is a lot of the restaurants adapting and doing takeaway and delivery services, um, creating their own apps, you know, so customers can go online and, and, and order their own food. So it, in that way, I think, and maybe this is going off course a bit, but, you know, the pandemic has definitely promoted um, innovation and creativity and um for, for companies that have been able to be a bit more agile um in how they deliver their goods and services um you know it, it, it can benefit them and i know a lot of them the restaurants um haven't actually you know even when we were able to go back um over the summer eat out to help out they still kept um the takeaway service and delivery service available so we've seen quite we've seen these companies as you say pivoting with their sort of online activities things like that but this this perhaps this covid challenge has continued maybe longer than a lot of people thought it's not just very straightforward it will be like this then it will get better uh, you know we've seen waves now and we're getting used to the idea of um various phases return phases but it going on perhaps longer i i heard someone talking about uh you know it's a two to five year challenge maybe uh, coronavirus so what's the role of business um in, in this longer um challenge for us all and what's the role of people like yourselves how how are you having to um support people across a longer sort of uh, challenge yeah so um Going to your first question, I think businesses are now finding it really difficult to plan. And, and whereas before um, you'd have your short, medium and long-term plans, um, your long-term plan might have been three to five years. Um, now your long-term plan really is the next 12 months um, and your short-term plan might be even the next month. Um, so there has been a, a huge um, impact on how businesses are thinking and planning um, and I'm using that word agile again because it is so important for businesses to have that um, in the back of their mind when they're looking at, at making plans. From an HR impact um, and the impact it's had on how we work with our clients, um, we've, we've had to be really reactive as well. Um, I think I mentioned earlier in the show that you know, nobody had really heard of furlough until um, earlier this year and now everybody knows what it is, you know. So, um, I think HR, um, people always look to HR for the answers um, and the HR community has been working really, really hard um, since, since the first lockdown came in um, because em employers looked to them. They said, right, what do we do? Um, what do we do with our workforce? What does this mean? What's furlough? So um, we've had to learn a lot as well um, and uh, you know, we've had to respond quickly. In terms of 
us helping our clients plan long term. Again, it depends on how long term we're looking at here. Um, but I think a lot of companies are um, looking at kind of creating a more flexible workforce, um, my company included in that. Um, and I'm not just talking about flexible in terms of um, you know, whether it's a temporary con contract or a permanent contract they bring people on, but also how and where those people work as well. Well, let's move on to your next piece of music. Great band, The Foo Fighters, and a song, Best of You. Well, it's really hard to choose my favourite Foo Fighters song, to be honest. They're all so good. Um, this one hits home probably more on a personal level, but not in a sad way. Um, again, it's so powerful, um, lots of energy, and um, really kind of lifts, lifts me up. You're listening to Colm Radio, and this is Red Button. Things out. 
So you were listening there to another choice of music by my guest, Sarah McKee Harris, and that was from Kelly Clarkson uh, with the song Stronger. Now, Sarah, why did you choose that? So this is the ultimate song in girl power, um, especially if you've been through a breakup. Um, so this, this song got me through some really tough times, um, both personally and professionally. Um, so if I feel like I need a bit of a lift or um, get some grit, then I will stick on a bit of Kelly Clarkson. Okay, great plan. In your experience, um, how, how was lockdown for people? I think in any situation like that, especially where they're really nobody knows you know the government don't know um we don't know employers don't know it was um a difficult time i think just, just depending on on the type of person really they dealt with it in different ways and as a result of the changes that were brought in a lot of po- people were put on furlough can you just first of all in really simple terms explain what furlough actually is the, the whole point of furlough was that government were trying to save jobs and they're still doing that, obviously. And, and it has worked. The first stage of the furlough was that your employees didn't have to work, didn't have to come into work, but the government would pay 80% of their salary. And, and you could top it up. Employers were allowed to top it up to 100% if they wanted to, but they didn't have to. Um, but what it meant is that you, they could keep their job. They didn't have to make their people redundant. And they um, had their salaries, uh, a large proportion of their salaries covered by government funding. And furlough is still uh, going on. So at, at the time of recording, the government of the United Kingdom have introduced, uh, is it the third furlough scheme? Yeah, so it's a furlough extension. Whereas over the summer, up until the end of October, month on month, the, the scheme paid less percentage each month. Um, so I think it went down to 60% by, the, by October. With the extension, um, it's gone back up to 80%. Anybody can go on to that now. They don't have to have been furloughed previously, um, which has had a really positive impact for some of my clients, actually. What was the impact first on those people who found themselves on this mysterious thing called furlough? I think, again, it depended on their personal circumstances. Thinking back to when it was, this was um, in the spring. Uh, the weather was starting to get better. Um, the kids were off school if there were children involved. Um, so for some... It was brilliant, <laughs> you know. They had, if if they had an outdoor space, of course, because there were some um, who who don't, you know, and they're in a flat and they're on their own, and actually that could have been a really lonely place. So, look, um, I think everybody's experience of furlough is very different, um, and so there isn't really a a one answer for that because it is very dependent on people's living um, and personal circumstances. But, um, look, it was great in the way that it has, it has saved jobs. And that's exactly what the government, um, was aiming for it to do. In terms of the people who weren't furloughed, you've got to take into account those that were shielding, you know, those that were vulnerable or living with vulnerable people. So the employees had to find out a load of information about their workforce really quickly and make decisions. The other side of that is that they were having to make decisions without looking like they were being discriminative. And so, that, that it's again, you know, employers have had a really tough time um, during this period and, and have, have done, you know, a lot of them have just done the best they can. Um, but again, for us, from an advisory perspective, we've been just trying to support those people in their decisions the whole way through and, and just also making sure that they, they do follow a legal process because the last thing we want is for them to be exposed and, and suffer consequences following that. Has there been a, a big rise in the need for people to use occupational health, mental health in particular, I'm thinking of? Has that been uh, something which you have noticed has been a bigger problem? There, there has been and there continues to be a, a huge impact on people's well-being, um, mentally and physically uh, and financially, like I said. Um, I, I work closely with an occupational health partner in Essex and um, she's been very, very busy. I think What's good about occupational health is, is that generally the reason um, they are asked to come in is, is to try and help that employee get back to work. And generally, if an employer brings in occupational health, it's, it's not a negative thing. It's actually because they genuinely have concern and they want to do the right thing to get people back into the workplace. And, and by having a, a good occupational health assessment, the employer then will then have recommendations about how to make adjustments to make that possible. There are a lot of mental health issues out there. It's, it's even more difficult, I think, for employers to 
um, identify them now because if they're not, people aren't physically in the office, it's very difficult sometimes to see when someone's struggling, you know, over the telephone, over a video conference. It's really important just to keep talking, um, make sure your managers um, who are talking to the employees have the right skills to, to identify and then signpost to make sure that that person gets the help they require. Right, well, let's move on then to another wonderful bit of music, and this is from the the quite wonderful Aretha Franklin, I Say a Little Prayer. So why have you chosen this, other than it being just a brilliant bit of music? It's such a beautiful song. Um, It kind of makes me have tears well up every time I listen to it, because it's just so lovely. It touches my heart. But, um, yeah, it makes me think of my son, Harry, um, who I love dearly, Um, David, my partner, and to be honest, all of those I love dearly. So um, I'm not a religious person. However, I don't think you need to be to say a little prayer for those who need it. conversation please thank you now are you sitting comfortably good then we'll begin so we're really nearly at the end of a, a great conversation that we've had with sarah mckee harris will the the, the post-covid workplace uh, requires a much more digital acceleration will we have to upskill ourselves in the new technology yeah definitely i mean i think we've all um most of us know how to zoom now uh, some of us only experienced it when we started having to do family quizzes um in the first lockdown but um for those that are in work any kind of video conferencing although although video conferencing has actually been around for a long time um it's now uh, being used, obviously, a lot more. Um, I wish I'd bought shares in one of those companies a few years ago. 
Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's not just Zoom out there, we've seen Microsoft Teams, um, things like that. So um, I think what, what we've seen, and, and I know from talking to my business network, um, is that for a lot of companies, they're going to change how they do business through technology. So whereas before, you know, you have a regional sales director and they might be on the road five days a week all across the country, you know, into different countries internationally, um, you know, but all that time that's spent traveling, um, is it really needed? Um, but I think you, you'll never lose, um, you know, the, the, the experience and the relationship you can build from being face to face with people. But I think certainly from the conversations I've been having and, and doing it myself is that you'll be more selective, I think, on how you meet with people. Do I need to meet this person in person for this particular meeting or can this just be done over the over a video conference call or just a phone call? Um, so I think um, that's definitely made an impact. Um, I've had a lot of feedback from people and, and again, me and the team included that it is really important to manage yourself um, and your time um, because although it's great, you know, we're not having to get on the train and spend a fortune or get in the car and drive across the country and spend hours stuck in traffic. Yes, you can, you can jump online um, and have these meetings, but I am finding that people are not um, giving themselves a break and they're working longer hours, less breaks, not moving, and it's really unhealthy for people. Um, I don't know if people have heard of Zoom fatigue. Um, that seems to be... Um, you know, hitting a lot of people. So um, yes, it's important and it's great that we've got this um, newfound freedom around technology and how we do business. But again, um, it's really important for employers to be checking in and making sure their employees are, you know, looking after themselves. And, and, and employers are responsible for employees' welfare at work. And whether you are at home working or in the office working or in the car working, you're still working. So that employer is still responsible for that. So it is going to be a world in which those who can adapt will survive. Um, but there will unfortunately be those who are unable to, to adapt, not because they don't wish to, but because they're no longer needed. For example, all those people that worked on the, um, on the railways uh, to get people, to get all those commuters from Colchester to the city every day, they are no longer needed. So they are going to have to be adaptive, I guess, in very different ways. How will people like that be able to survive in this post-COVID environment? So, yeah, I think um, there is obviously a lot of job losses um, directly impacted by COVID and not just immediately, but as you said, as we come out of this and demand is, is different, um, yeah, people have changed the way they work. So, yeah, as you said, there might be less people travelling, which means less staff required on, on the trains. Um, the government have definitely recognised this and um, they, um, they are doing lots to, to help people. Um, so for the younger generation, um, there's a, a programme called uh, Kickstart, which is aimed at 16 to 24-year-olds, and that, that is um, a government programme that allows employers to take on a younger person for six months and the government will pay for them. Um, so that, that's at no cost uh, really to the employer. That doesn't just help the employer, but it also helps that person looking for a job to get some work experience and they might end up staying or they might not and come out with, with some new skills. Um, but they're not ex um, ignoring the older generation as well. Um, so from 25 uh, years old and, and above, um, they're also um, offering lots of um, training, uh, upskilling, reskilling um, funds um, for people who perhaps can't go back to their old job because it doesn't exist or there isn't as many of them around um, to help them, you know, identify what they could be doing. The other big impact this has had is on people starting their own companies and um, people seeing this opportunity. Do you know what? Um, I don't re didn't really like what I did before. I'm going to try something new. So. Um, there's been a load of new startups. Um, I mean, Essex is a really entrepreneurial county anyway. And, um, you know, there, there's, some, there's some great stuff coming along and um, people setting up new businesses. So, um, you know, it's not all doom and gloom, um, but uh, it's just making sure people know the resources available to them so they can um, move forward. 
Well, we do all hope uh, it's going to be a very positive future. And thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us on the show. It's been an absolute privilege and, and pleasure to speak to you. And you've brought a wealth of, you know, real experience and knowledge uh, to us today to find out about really what's going on. And, and you know, we, we need to know what's going on because it, it affects us all. Well, uh, particularly the pandemic. So thank you again for taking the time to join us. We have one last piece of music, uh, which is by One Republic, and it's called Counting Stars. So could you tell us why you chose that piece? Yeah, so, um, yeah, thanks very much for having me. This is um, my final song, uh, dedicated to my partner, David. I don't know how he puts up with me, especially now we're both working under the same roof. Um, this was our song when we first started dating. Um, it was a new start for me, and this song really reflects that perfectly. Lately, I've been, I've been losing sleep, dreaming about the things that we could be. But baby, I've been, I've been praying hard. Said no more counting dollars, we'll be counting stars. Yeah, we'll be counting stars. Button is a guppy production for Colne Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience.